Good morning. Am I on? No. Am I on? See you here this morning. That's it's great. I'd love to have the building here and the room to meet you. <coughs> I appreciate you all being here this morning. I enjoy the testimonies. I hope you do too and you get to hear about these things. Yeah, I think I even drove the van. Not that time. Not that time? No. It was the time the van, the other van broke down and we had to unload all the seats. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was on that one. Okay. That BJ was on. Anyway, that's kind of cool. All right, good. Hi, hey, we're one week in to a new year. And uh, so I'm going to talk about it again. How's that? Brother Terry did an awesome job last Sunday. And Lord willing, we'll do our best. Let's look to God and work for Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. We are so thankful, grateful, all the good things, the comforts we have, but God, that you love us. Even with all of our sin, all our evil ways, you still care for me. For all of us here today. Help us to make decisions. Uh, even if the sermon is preached today, give me strength to do it well. Please let your spirit work among us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. A new year, a new opportunity. I'm sure you've noticed that each year almost all the major news magazines put out an issue with special pictorial sections recalling people and events during the previous year. And most of them go ahead and give some predictions. Some even go 10, 20 years out. This is what it's going to be like 10, 20 years from now. This is going to happen this coming year. I, I, I found two of them. So here's two predictions. Uh, 2017. Because of overwhelming evidence, Planet X will destroy the Earth in 2017. I don't even know what Planet X is. Can somebody explain? Asteroid. 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 All right. Now here's another one. Tears appeared on a painting of Virgin Mary, proving the end of days is this year. <laughs> No comment on that one. <laughs> Back in 1967, here, here's a good one. This prediction was made. Experts predicted that by the turn of the century, technology would have taken over so much of the work we do that the average American work week would be only 22 hours long. That we would work only 27 weeks a year. As a result, one of our biggest problems would be deciding what to do with all our leisure time. Well, they missed that one. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm more busy now. Arlen and I said, you know, well, we kind of retire, kind of. Things should slow down. It hasn't happened yet. 
I don't know that it will. That's okay. We're getting things done. Well, in fact, most of us seem to be very busy. We're always in a hurry. We walk fast, we talk fast, we eat fast. We have to leave all too often. We stand up saying, gotta run. Excuse me, I gotta go. And off we go. So here we are at the beginning of 2017. I wonder how we'll do this year. Will, will we be busy? As busy? Will we make any better use of our time? You know, we have 357 days left of 2017. I had to use a calculator to figure that out. But anyway, when this year is over, will we be looking back with joy or with regret? Will we be looking at future with anticipation or dread? We can do either one. But I want us to look at a scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. This is the uh, CEV version. Act like people with good sense, and not like fools. These are evil times, so make every minute count. I like this next part. Don't be stupid. Any of us act stupid once in a while? Yeah. I'm there. Ask my wife. She can tell you. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. Another translation, says, another translation says, Be conscious of the Lord's pleasure. Be conscious of that. What does God want me to do here? So, how are we to find out what the Lord wants us to do? How are we to be conscious of the Lord's pleasure? Number one, realize our time on earth is limited. Our time here is limited. Psalm 39, verse 4 says it this way, Lord, give me knowledge of my end and of the measure of my days so that I may see how feeble I am. David said this when he wrote it. Uh, I want to see how feeble I am. And then the translation says, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. Psalms 39, verse 4. Psalms 90, verse 10 says it this way. We can expect 70 years, or maybe 80, if we are healthy. But even our best years bring trouble and sorrow. Suddenly our time is up, and we disappear. David also said in Psalm 90, verse 12, So teach us to number our days. We may apply our hearts to wisdom. And that translation says, teach us to use wisely all the time that we have. Hey, our time here is limited. Now, I can read about this. I never saw one except for a picture of it. We can forget about the Grim Reaper because death now has gone digital. Well, two years ago. What's up there? 
Nothing yet. Do we have a picture of this creature? A little pyramid looking thing? No, okay. I'm going to give you the name of it, okay? And you go home and Google this thing. It's an awesome thing. Anyway. It's called the Timus's Life Clock. You type in how old you are, your sex, and then it will tell you from that time on how many days you've got left to live. They, they, they measure uh, uh, ladies live 80 years old and men live 75. So it'll tell you how many days, hours, minutes, seconds you have to live. And, and they sold 33,000 of these things at $100 a piece back in 1995. Well, the number of our days, isn't that what the psalmist told us to do? To count our days? David wanted to know from God how many days I've left. Well, here we go. So, I heard about this clock. I figured uh, I lived to be 75 years old. That means I have 2,345 days left to live. Now, uh, we're going to ask a question on our questions, our discussion groups. How many days you've got left? And a little bit later on. Well, But you know what? Wait a minute. Neither you or I have a guarantee or even one more day to live. In fact, the Bible tells us not to count on tomorrow because tomorrow may not, we may not be here. We all have this right now, life here today. So our time on earth is valuable, very limited. I like the book of James, chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Here's what it says. How foolish it is to say, today or tomorrow we will go into a certain town and there for a year and do business there and get wealth. When you are not certain what will take place tomorrow, what is your life? It is a mist which you see for a little time and then it's gone. This last Thanksgiving, our family, most of our family went up to South Dakota, to Pierre, South Dakota, to young, to a family there that we uh, stayed at their place, and we used that at our base camp to go pheasant hunting. Their names are Jim and Linda. Did we have that picture up there? There they are. We stayed at their home. Awesome, awesome people. They were. Just Thanksgiving. Jim is now dead. At his funeral yesterday. Gone. We talked, we visited. He served us. He's a, uh, he was a good cook. His wife helped him a lot, but there he is now. He's gone. We did not know. He did not know. She did not know. None of us knew how much time he had left. <coughs> Friend, listen. Number one thing we need to learn is we don't know when that time is. Our time here is limited. Every one of us. 
what are we going to do? We've got to realize our time is limited. We have a new year and a new opportunity. Number two, make the most of every opportunity. Paul tells us that we must make the most of every opportunity. It gives us a reason. The days are evil. And let me explain this a little bit better. In my mind, anyway. And I hope it helps. Jesus said Satan is a robber and a thief. One of the things he tries to rob us from is our time. Because time is a precious possession. Think of the time wasted in sinning. Think of the time wasted in bars, gambling casinos, shallow affairs. Think of the time wasted in gossiping or spreading rumors. Or think about the time wasted worrying about the consequences of the sins we've committed. Satan is a thief. And Robert. But number two, and sin's a waste of time. But you know, even good things that are not sinful things can take our time away. And we can waste our time on that. Good things make demands on our life. We have a story in Luke chapter 10 about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus came to their house and they were reclining in the, in the living room. I'm going to modernize it here. And Jesus was teaching. And you know where Martha was? Martha was in the kitchen preparing the meal. Now, was that a good thing? Yeah, it was. You have somebody in your house, especially God. <laughs> He's in your home, and he's in your living room, and we got to eat. We better prepare some food. Well, what was Mary doing? <laughs> Mary was in there. The Bible says seated. She sat down at Jesus' feet and listening to every word he was saying. Martha peeked in. I'm a, my paraphrase. Saw Mary doing that, and she was slaving away out there in the kitchen. Well, she got a little upset about that. She came in and said to Jesus, Jesus, see what I'm doing? You see what my sister's doing? Tell her to come help me. Uh, you can read the story in Luke 10. Not like I'm telling her, but uh, better. <clears throat> Please tell her to come help me. You know what Jesus did? Martha, Martha, you're worried about too many things. Mary has chosen the better things. Right now, right here today, I want us, because our time is limited, we need to take most, make the most of every opportunity. Even good things make demands on us. Even the good things. She was so preoccupied she did not realize that God was in her living room. Now, when you stop to realize that, put yourself back there, 
if Jesus Christ was in your house, where would you be? My first thought was I'd be hiding. But secondly, I want to be there listening to what he has to say. The words of life come out of him. You know what? Just a mistake you and I make almost every day. We get so caught up in the here and now. We fail to deal with the eternal, the things that will last forever. And Dr. Richard Swenson wrote a book in which he discusses the main problems of today, and he calls it an overload. He says that people are just plain overloaded. Now, I'm going to take that, and he stresses it too in this book. We're overloaded with commitments. Can you all attest to that? How many of you here today are overloaded with commitments? But, yeah, yeah. You really are. You got this to do, you got that to do. You got here to go, you got all this stuff, people depending on you. Well, what are we to do about this? We've overloaded ourselves with commitments. We need to make the most of the opportunities we have in 2017. We need to learn how to say no. That's all. But I want to. An opportunity comes and we say, hey, would you like to do this and this and this with us? Oh, I, tell, I would love to do that. Yes, I want to do that. I think to myself, all right, do I have the time? And I have to say no. I have to say no. And then when you look at eternity and you look at time, uh, the time we have here on this earth, we need to make sure it's, we care about the things that are eternal. Well, we need to learn how to live today. Two greatest enemies of time are regrets for things we did in the past and anxiety about what's going to happen in the future. Many of us live in the past or in the future. We live in regret, we live because of our past, and we waste time with that and our minds are consumed with that. But then, well, I don't want to face tomorrow. I don't want to go to bed tomorrow. I don't even want to go to bed tonight. I don't want to face tomorrow. Why? Remember, we just need set priorities. Set priorities. Let me say this. Yeah. Your parents here spend time with your children. They're growing up ever so fast. These are great moments. Don't let them get away. Make sure you spend quality time with your children. I read this this week, and I want you to listen up. Dads, listen to me, please, right now. 279% more likely to carry guns and do drugs 
when we dads are not in the home. Let me restate that. Without the fathers in the home, 279% more likely to carry guns or use drugs. Dads, there's a priority right there. Without fathers there, look what happens. In fact, our families need to be high on our priority list because that's what really matters. And the picture we just saw of Jim and Linda, we were there last Thanksgiving. Jim was talking to me and he said that he made this statement just out of the blue. My most precious times were spent with my family. There's a man, he knew he was sick. And brain tumors, I think that's what it was. He knew he didn't have long to live, but he said, I, I, I really enjoy my time with my family. That wasn't a slam against us, because we were there. His family wasn't. But he made that statement to me. So many of us are engaged in the little game of, I wish it were. I wish it were next week. I wish it were next month. I wish, some, or some such thing. And kids go to school and say, boy, I wish this day was over. Well, I can understand that when you're facing a test or some big thing. I understand that, but you know what? We live that way. I wish it were. I wish it was this way. I wish we could have. Now, wait a minute. We need to set priorities. If we're going to make the most opportunity in 2017, we make some priorities. This young lady went to college. She hated it. I can't wait until I ever get out of college to get married and have children. I know then I'll finally be able to enjoy life. She so she stuck with it. She went to all her classes, finally graduated from college. She married and had children. Discovered that children are a lot of work. Imagine that. So she told herself, I just need some kids raised. I'll be able to relax and really enjoy life then. Uh, about the time the kids were entering high school, her husband said, uh, hey, guess what? We don't have enough money to send our kids to college. I guess you'll have to go get a job. Well, she didn't want to. But she knew it was the right and they needed the money. So she went to work. She hated it. But she told herself, I can just get through this kids out of college and I'll get all the bills paid, then I can quit work and really enjoy life. She did that. She thought, well, She walked into her employer's office and said, I quit. Oh, she was so happy. Oh, I've waited for this day for years. Oh, he said, you don't want to quit now. If you stay with us just eight more years, you'll have a pension for the rest of your life. Whoa. 
well, I, I really don't want to work eight more years, but there's a lot of money out there, and I really can't turn that down opportunity, so she worked for another eight years. Finally, she and her husband retired at the same time. They sold the house, bought a little retirement cottage, and they sat on the swing on their front porch and looked at the family picture album and dreamed about like good old days. Well, to summarize that, life is what happens to you while you're making plans to do something else. Set priorities. True, isn't it? Now the year has come and gone, and the year stretches before us. <clears throat> we need to ask God, help us redeem the time, have a happy new year. We need to set some priorities. Number two, we need to forget about the past. I can't. I like what Paul said in Philippians 3.13. Brothers, it is clear to me that I have not come to that knowledge, but one thing I do. Letting go those things which are past and stretching out to the things are, that are before. The Apostle Paul said, I have forgotten about the past. And I look forward to the future. I'm working toward that. Now, now Paul didn't have any syndrome. Thank God. Yes, he did. Do we have any murderers here today? Don't admit it, yes. That's what Paul was. Also, Paul was a murderer. You think he had something to forget about? Yeah. Well, if he could do it, so can you and I. Forget about the past. God has forgiven you. You're here today. You're a born-again Christian. God has forgiven you. Everything in your past, all that stuff you can remember and all the stuff you can't remember, all those times you wasted. Forget about the past. <clears throat> now, during this year coming up, we need to have some things. Number one, enough happiness to keep you sweet, enough trials to keep you strong, enough sorrow to keep you human, enough hope to keep you happy. Enough failure to keep you humble. Enough success to keep you eager. Enough friends to give you comfort. Enough wealth to meet your needs. Enough enthusiasm to make you look forward to tomorrow. Enough determination to make each day better than the day before. And we be praying, Lord, please help us use. 8,565 years of this year, the wisest way we can for you and for your glory. Two scriptures that we want to end this sermon with. Number one, 
Romans 13, 11, 12, and 13. See then that the time has come for you to be awake from sleep. In other words, wake up. Marla got this new thing on her cell phone. And it's to measure your sleep. You, BJ has it. Yeah, you can set it beside your bed. And it measures, it listens, I guess, for your breathing or whatever. And it tells you, and you look at it in the morning, it'll tell you at 6 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock, what was going on. You're in a deep sleep, you're not sleeping hard at all. So Harlan's been doing that. And, and, and so it can tell when you're about ready to wake up. So it plays this very soft, easy music to wake you up. But that doesn't do anything so loud. And it keeps getting louder until you finally wake up. Well, <clears throat> Romans 13, 11, 12 says, wake up from sleep. For now your salvation is nearer than when you first had faith. The night is far gone, the day is near. So let us put off the works of the dark, arming ourselves with light, with right behavior as in the day, not in pleasure making or drinking, not in bad company and unclean behavior. Not in fighting or in envy. Hebrews 12, 1. Such a large crowd of witnesses is all around us. So we must get rid of everything that slows us down. Especially the sin that just won't let go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. Run the race. A new year, a new opportunity. Friend, every one of us are running a race, whether you realize it or not. But we got a choice to make which race we want to run. We can run a race that gives God glory, or we can run a race that gives me glory. And I'm afraid that's what we struggle with. God has a purpose for you. To run the race. What are you going to do about it? What race are you running? A new year and a new opportunity. 2017. Thank you for listening today. I don't know where you are spiritually. Right now, right here, good place. Make a decision about your life. How do I live it? Maybe I want to become a Christian. Maybe I want to give my life to Christ and be, be baptized in Christ for remission of my sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It might be that I've been overtaken in this sin and I need help to overcome this. I want to set a priority. Listen, we can pray with you. <laughs> Make this 2017 year a, a good one. Or we can just set a priority of saying no to all these good things that I could do for people and other things, but 
and they're not eternal things. A new year, a new opportunity. Thank you for listening. I pray that something we've said will bless your life in 2017. All right. Thank you. Oh.